Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cloudy Cast. Uh, today I got EP22. If I sound a little crazy, it's because I've been sick as fuck. Um, so I'm probably going to make this one pretty quick. Got two articles that we're going to go over um, with all this crazy ass fucking NBA shit going on with free agency. I figured I'd go with um, an article I saw. Um, regarding Kawhi and the the Knicks who have royally failed this fucking free agency, but uh, the other one's gonna be um, an article I got on Leafly, and um, it's more shit about CBD and the human body and uh, all kinds of shit. So let's fucking learn. Let's see here. Pretty sure I learned something from the shit too. So the first one I'm gonna go with is the uh, oh, come on, let's see here. This article is titled uh, "This is a long one. Uh, CBD cannabidiol. What does it do, and how does it affect the brain and body?" So in case you haven't, if you're new to this or new to CBD, um. CBDs, uh, there's tons of benefits and people are using it for a million things. I'm pretty sure I've said that, said that a bunch of fucking times on my fucking podcast. But yeah, it, there's people using it for a bunch of different things. So um, we'll just go over the, the article. So what is CBD and what medical conditions might it help? Cannabidiol CBD is one of many cannabinoid uh, molecules produced by cannabis, second only to THC in abundance. These plant-derived cannabinoids or phytocannabinoids um, are characterized by their ability to act on the cannabinoid receptors that are part of our endocannabinoid system. While THC is the principal psychoactive component of cannabis and has certain medical uses, CBD stands out because it is both non-intoxicating and displays a broad range of potential medical applications, including helping with anxiety, information, pain, seizures. Um, I even know people are taking it for depression, all kinds of stuff. So this makes CBD an attractive therapeutic compound. Why does THC get you high but not CBD? Despite being chemical cousins, THC and CBD have different effects. The primary difference is that THC gets you high while CBD does not. This is because THC and CBD affect our endocannabinoid uh, system in different ways. The major ECS receptor in the brain, CB1, is activated by THC, but not CBD. In fact, CBD can get in the way of compounds like THC, preventing them from activating the CB1 receptors. This is why uh, the THC-CBD ratio is so important for influencing the effects of uh, cannabis products. And then on this article, uh, there's a bunch of fucking like pictures so you can kind of see um, what they're talking about. So as always, if you guys want the link, I'll send it over to you. And then they always have like other links to other fucking articles they have that I'll probably go over one of these days. Anyways, let's keep going. Um, so again, yes. Yeah, so CBD doesn't get you high. THC gets you high. Um, complete opposite psychoactive effect. Matter of fact, if you fucking get too high of THC and you take some CBD, it'll definitely help out with that. So scientific evidence for CBD's medical effects. Perhaps the most remarkable thing about CBD is the sheer number and variety of its potential therapeutic applications. It is important to recognize that each application may be supported by different levels of evidence. 
These range from ongoing clinical trials evaluating its efficacy in the treatment of human disorders to animal studies investigating its behavior and psychological effects to behavior and psychological effects to in vitro work test tube experiments measuring its uh, pharmacological interactions and mechanisms of action each type of study comes with its own strengths and weaknesses yeah all right so um so i mean there's tons of studies as it just says right here um, and I mean, they're ongoing trials right now at this point, even doing studies with animals, which they always do. Um, but as I said, there's, and like I said, there's tons of different reasons or that people are taking CBD these days. So clinical trials allow us to draw conclusions about the safety and effectiveness of potential therapeutic agents in humans. While animal studies and in vitro experiments allow researchers to explore their biological actions in greater detail, however, because the latter class of studies are not conducted in humans, the results don't always lead to the clinical applications that we hope for. For the majority of drugs that start in human clinical trials never become approved. Majority of drugs that start in human clinical trials never approved. Nonetheless, animal studies provide us with a strong foundation of biological knowledge and are where the initial uh, breakthroughs in research are made. Alright, so why does CBD have so many potential therapeutic benefits? CBD is famous for the promise it holds for treating treatment-resistant forms of childhood epilepsy. A number of clinical trials testing the efficacy of CBD in human epilepsy uh, patients are currently underway, but there is also evidence, mainly from animal studies and in vitro experiments, that CBD may have neuroprotective, anti-inflammatory, and analgesic pain-relieving properties and potential therapeutic value in the treatment of, motiv- of motivational disorders like depression, anxiety, and addiction. That's a new one. I, I mean, I've heard of it kind of of addiction, but damn, that's crazy. That's true. That's fucking huge right there, too. It's so crazy. So what's the biological basis uh, for this wide range of potential medical use? Uses, uh, a key part of the answer lies in CBD's promiscuous pharmacology, its ability to influence a wide range of receptor systems in the brain and body, including not only cannabinoid receptors, but a host of others. Receptor systems in the brain. The brain contains a large number of highly specialized cells called neurons. Each neuron connects to many, other, to many others through structures called synapses. These are sites where one neuron communicates to another by releasing chemical messages, messengers known as neurotransmitters. A neuron sensitivity to a specific neurotransmitter depends on whether or not it contains a receptor that fits that transmitter, like an electrical socket fits a plug. If a neuron contains receptors that match a particular neurotransmitter, then it can respond directly to the transmitter. Otherwise, it generally can't. All neurons contain multiple neurotransmitter receptors, allowing them to respond to some neurotransmitters, but not others. So there's another figure right there where it kind of shows you the whole neuron, the neurotransmitters. So brain receptors are not only sensitive to neurotransmitters produced naturally within the brain, 
like dopamine or serotonin, but also chemical messengers produced outside the body, such as plant cannabinoids like THC or CBD. So when you ingest an edible or inhale some vapor, you're allowing compounds originally produced by a plant to enter your body, travel through your bloodstream, and enter your brain. Once they arrive, these plant-derived compounds can influence brain activity by interacting with receptors on neurons. But they don't interact with all neurons, just ones that have the appropriate receptors. CBD has effects on many different receptor systems. Although it is a cannabinoid, CBD does not directly interact with the two classical cannabinoid receptors, CB1 and CB2. Instead, it affects signaling through CB1 and CB2 receptors indirectly. This partly explains why no contrast to THC. CBD is non-intoxicating. In addition to its indirect influence on the CB1 and CB2 receptors, CBD can increase levels of the body's own naturally produced cannabinoids, known as endocannabinoids, by inhibiting the enzymes that break them down. CBD can increase... So CBD can increase levels of the body's own naturally produced cannabinoids by inhibiting the enzymes that break them down. So even more intriguing, CBD also influences many non-cannabinoid receptors, uh, receptor systems in the brain, interacting with receptor sensitivity to a variety of drugs and neurotransmitters. These include opioid receptors known for their role in pain regulation. Opio- opioid receptors are the key targets of pharmaceutical painkillers and drugs of abuse such as morphine, heroin, and fentanyl. CBD can also interact with dopamine receptors, which play a crucial role in regulating many aspects of behavioral <coughs> of behavior and cognition, including motivation and reward-seeking behavior. So CBD also interacts with dopamine receptors, which play the crucial role in regulating many aspects of behavior and, re- and cognition, including motivation and reward-seeking behavior. This raises the intriguing possibility that CBD's ability to influence either opioid or dopamine receptors may underlie its ability to dampen drug cravings and withdrawal symptoms. Uh, Effects directly relevant to the treatment of addiction. Do you hear that? Especially with this fucking opioid fucking issue we have going on. It's huge. However, we can't say for sure... At this point, more research on CBD's interactions with the opioid and dopamine receptor systems is still needed. I mean, of course, there's going to be more research, but that's fucking huge shit right there. Uh, so CBD's therapeutic potential with respect to addiction also extends to the serotonin system. Animal studies have demonstrated that CBD directly activates multiple serotonin receptors in the brain. These interactions have been implicated in its ability uh, to reduce drug-seeking behavior. So CBD's influence on the serotonin system may also account in part for its anti-anxiety properties, which have been robustly demonstrated across both human and animal studies. And I know I've heard tons of stories of people using it for um, for anxiety and depression and shit. So CBD and serotonin systems, exciting possibilities. Um, CBD's ability to target a specific serotonin receptor, uh, the serotonin 1A receptor, is associated with a remarkable range of therapeutic possibilities. Professor Roger Pertwee, an English uh, pharmacologist renowned, renowned for his uh, research on cannabinoids, spoke with Leafly about this aspect of CBD biology. Its apparent ability to enhance the activation of serotonin 1A receptor supports the possibility that it could be used to ameliorate disorders that include opioid dependence, neuropathic pain, depression, anxiety disorders, nausea, vomiting um, from like chemotherapy, 
um, and negative symptoms uh, of schizophrenia, he said. One big unanswered question is what the human clinical relevance and importance of each of these potential therapeutic uses of CBD. Identified solely by examining data from non-human preclinical research actually is. Given that these possibilities come mainly from animal studies, more research will be needed before we can think seriously about human applications. Of course, we get the whole studies things, but I'm telling you, there's millions of people already using it for this shit. So, just saying, like I said, they got to keep doing studies though. So, CBD psychiatric, damn it, CBD psychiatric utility from complex pharmacology. Understanding CBD's neurological effects is a complicated business because of the wide variety of receptors with which it interacts. But that complexity, the, but that complexity may be the key to its promise as a therapeutic agent. Motivational disorders like addiction and anxiety are themselves highly complex. They arise from incompletely understood causes that span multiple receptor systems and neural networks in the brain. CBD's complex, multi-target effects may therefore be crucial to its potential for aiding the treatment of such disorders. Over the coming years, researchers will continue to further understand this complex, this complexity um, and uncover the full scope of CBD's therapeutic potential. So, um, yeah, guys, like I said, um, people have been us- are using CBD for pain, inflammation. They can't sleep. They want to sleep. Um, uh, like I said, anxiety, depression, addiction, like crazy, crazy good news. Like I said, there's millions of people already u- using it for these things. But as I said, you always have to have these uh, these studies done um, and shit like that. So they have a bunch of references on here, part of the different studies that they got the information on. So again, hit me up anywhere on social at the ASAP Bravo. Um, and I'll get you the link for it if you want to look more into it. But shit. Uh, that was a good, nice article, a little more information on CBD and, um, how it works with the body and what people are using it for. So the next, um, article is going to go over, hold up, let me check something real quick, make sure nothing's gone down since I saw that. Uh, let me see here. Hold up. All right, so uh, the next one is, this was on sports. I'm a huge, huge sports fan. Um, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it if you've been listening to the podcast, but big in the sports, 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 sports. Um, love the NBA, NFL, my two favorites right there. And um, love other shit. But anyways, back to the article. So um, this one's called Knicks Reportedly Canceled Kawhi Leonard. Uh, meeting over free agency FOMO. So the New York Knicks were so concerned about missing their free agent targets this this offseason that the team's front office canceled a potential Wednesday meeting with Kawhi Leonard, according to Mark Berman of the New York Post. Within the first 24 hours of NBA free agency, more than $3 billion was spent by teams. I'm pretty sure you guys already heard this, so shit, but anyways, I'm going to share it anyways. So since the Knicks had over $70 million to spend, and needed to shell out at least $98.226 million of their 2019-20 salary cap to exceed the cap floor, it was in their best interest to put that money towards players that they actually wanted to have on the roster next season and beyond. Actually, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't actually want fucking Kawhi Leonard, dude's a beast, but anyways, 
Aside from spending big on Julius Randle, the Knicks added Bobby Portis, Todd Gibson, Reggie Bullock, Wayne Ellington, and Alfred Payton to two-year deals. Since the payroll needed to be used, the Knicks could afford to take high-priced chances, but in order for these opportunities to present themselves, the team needed to act quick. Now let's imagine the Knicks waited on Kawhi. Look at the players still remaining in free agency that they would need to spend somewhere in the ballpark of 30 to 40 million on. It isn't too appealing, right? Uh, with Kawhi Watch, I can't believe that was a thing. That's crazy. With Kawhi Watch heading into today, four, the Los Angeles Lakers have been forced to limit their spending in anticipation of the possibility that Leonard chooses to wear the purple and gold next season and eats up a large chunk of their payroll. If Kawhi decides to go elsewhere, the Lakers and their current six-man roster will need to be filled out by throwing some lucrative deals and at mediocre talent. The Lakers, however, can take the chance because they still have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Kuzma. The Knicks couldn't afford to play that level of high-stakes poker. They're already getting mercilessly dragged for missing out on Durant to the Nets. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, but shit, um, in my opinion, I really fucking hope Kawhi Leonard does not join the Lakers. Um, it'll take away from the, the excitement and the competition. If you ask me, um, I'd rather him stay with fucking Toronto. Or shit, even fucking go with the Clippers. You'll still be in L.A. shit. Um, but yeah. So, those are my two articles for uh, EP episode 22, y'all. Um, as always, hit me up. Any questions, suggestions, links to any of these fucking articles at the ASAP Bravo. Don't forget to check out cloudsociety.com. I appreciate, appreciate, fuck, I appreciate y'all. And um, enjoy your fucking 4th of July. Peace.